Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome back to the Electrify Expo podcast, brought to you by the creators of the Electrify Expo. And we're back. It's another exciting week in the world of electrification. And uh, here at the Electrify Expo podcast, we, we had a plan. Like we, we really, had an, uh, we had an idea. Yes. Yeah, we had we had some sense of a plan, and then uh, I don't know. You want to say what we now think is happening? I mean, with regard to this week. Well, we know what's happening, and that is that Trevor Milton has imploded, and Nicholas Stock is tumbling. There doesn't seem to be anything happening at the uh, groundbreaking ceremony site, and GM is apparently backing out of that multi-billion-dollar deal. I mean, uh, other than Matt Teske, who could have seen it coming? I'm not going to say I have a crystal ball. I'm just not dumb. So what you're telling me is that $22 billion worth of Wall Street investment banker guys are dumb? Oh, no, no. They're not dumb. They just, their job is to speculate. So the GM detail, they haven't fully backed out yet. They've extended talks, which I guess is code for we're backing out. I don't know. Well, I think what happened was the price of the stock that they were offered as payment has plummeted like 60 percent right it's worth like right. less than less than half of what it was worth when the deal was originally conceptualized so i mean obviously if you tell someone you're going to pay them two billion dollars and that becomes 700 million dollars they're probably going to be a little bit like uh no i don't know anyway the... so let's get back to the original structure we <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't believe that in a period of like four weeks, it went from people going bonkers over like, oh, where's Nicola going? It's the next unicorn. And then, oh, GM. And then him. I mean, again, Trevor and Mary Barra on the same screen on multiple news channels when they announced this. And it has not been a month. And it we're hasn't like, been a month. What? It's been three and a half weeks and this whole thing has completely imploded the one that blew my mind and you actually sent me this was this twitter video the guy has a drone he drove four hours from phoenix to the site of the nicola factory it's been 67 days since the groundbreaking ceremony there's nothing, nothing there flat dirt and that flat part dirt. right there is the telling moment of again anybody who bought tickets to nicola world is probably thinking wait a minute Anybody who has a Badger reservation right now has to be just questioning what's going on. Are you suggesting that Nicola World may not happen? Because I thought $5,000 to hang out with Trevor Milton was uh, the price. And, and we, we discussed that and how maybe we were stupid for not you know, dropping the coin to, to have that opportunity. Maybe we should have. We, we'd have a better argument right now for being upset. We'd have a better argument for being upset. I, am I upset? I find, I'm having a good time with all this. I mean, when he had that line about uh, early on in his Twitter feed, he made some comment when um, he was being accused of these SEC allegations and fraud allegations. He made some comment about integrity stands and fights while cowards run away. Right, right. right. And he was going to sit there and fight it out. And then his, I think it was his cousin came out and said, dude, this, is, this guy is super creepy. <laughs> yeah. He molested me at my grandmother's funeral or something. It was like a really gross story. He immediately cuts off all his Twitter and it's like, you can't say something like that and then immediately shut it off because it paints the picture of like you obviously did the thing. Well, right. And, and, that's, and that's the part that we talked about originally when a lot of this was getting a lot of hype was I, I just kept saying, I, there's just too many things that don't pass the smell test for me. And we were just discussing even just their business model at the time. Right. And it, it was wasn't like, any of this, this is, stuff. 
Exactly. And the idea was like, you know, this is obviously a con that went too far. And at some point it became more profitable to actually do it. And he right. still didn't actually do it. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing at the factory site. Right. So, right. I mean, I think uh, it's certainly not the last word on Trevor Milton, but oh uh, no, on the yeah. bright side, I think now we can probably get him on the show. At, at this point now, it's almost like, dude, how you doing? Like, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the last time he did like a video on Twitter was like him in his pantry talking about like evaporated milk or something. You know, I need someone at the office to track down all my UPS orders. Maybe Trevor's uh, available. <laughs> That's terrible. Again, I don't wish ill on anybody. Yeah, there's, a, there's a handful of people in the world that probably deserve a lesson to be learned. In this instance, it just seems like hubris run amok. And on top of which, the whole GM connection, it really just makes me wonder like what was going on behind the scenes that led to this partnership and where are they taking it now? I didn't see a downside for them on this and you were very smart and you said, no, this is, this is going to go South. And when it does go South, it's going to hurt GM. And I think it has kind of, I don't want to say made Mary Barra look dumb. Cause that's a really hard thing to do. If you've ever spoken with her, she's a really sharp cookie, right. but it doesn't make it look like she was like super on the ball with this one. To your point, she's proven to be extremely good at her job. This felt like it came out of left field. There was so much of this that didn't feel like it made sense. And that, that was my gut reaction. Now, this is interesting, though, because we are still talking about trucks. And obviously, the Badger is a truck. And two of the big competitors that we're talking about as well, GM and also their main competitor, Ford. GM did show some electric truck news that was different from Nikola. It was actually real news. <laughs> <laughs> and that was they are coming back with the electric Hummer and this is going to be their, you know, ultra high end top of the line GMC vehicle and they have crab mode and they have the new little crab logo. And the way that they announced this, they had this cute little video. The truck goes up to a crab on the beach and then the front and the rear wheels turn and the thing goes like sideways, just yeah. like a crab, just like crab a crab mode. would, little, like little, a crab would. Now this <laughs> is going to be critical to the part of the story this is General Motors, top of the line. It's like above the GMC Denali. This is going after Mercedes. This is going after like the Bentley Bentayagas of the world. This is going to be their high-end, super luxury, super capable EV truck. And it's a kind of a lifestyle vehicle. Now, Ford is also yeah. coming out with their electric F-150 and their hybrid F-150, which they announced this week. And they're marketing it much more like a work truck. They're going after that kind of like this is the one you need to get the job done built for yeah. tough that kind of thing i mean you're the marketing guy you're a branding expert that's what you do is that a great move or is that like the best move ever well i think ford is sticking to their guns i think that they have established such brand cachet around the fact that if you want to talk about having a truck you talk about getting an f-150 i think that with the hummer because it's it's not the same type of brand as like Ford has with F-150, Hummer is a lifestyle brand. It is more of like an image brand. Whereas F-150 is a combination of its image, but it's also pure functional practicality for what you need out of a truck. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you say that because you're absolutely right. I mean, the H2 was really GM's Hummer brand, right? That was like mm -hmm. their high-end SUV. And it was the thing that like the celebrities and the rappers and the, that kind of thing. I'm still thinking of like the Humvee, which was like this military oh. go everywhere kind of thing. But that's not what Hummer is at all. You're absolutely right. It's an image thing. It's an image play. And to that end, they can get, they can create these different things like in crab mode and other things like that, where it becomes this kind of like, well, it's a, it's just a cool vehicle. Whereas F-150, what inevitably will be E-150 or whatever Ford ends up calling it for their electric truck. 
it truly is going to be, it reminds me kind of how Volkswagen positioned the ID4 recently when they launched it. They really didn't even bring up other electric vehicles. They only positioned the Volkswagen ID4 against other CUVs, Mazda, Toyota, like the RAV4, things like that. They were going out of their way to say, we're Volkswagen and we make great cars and this is the best CUV you can get. So they weren't even worrying about talking about the fact that it was electric. It was because it was the ID4 that it was great. I think Ford's going to take the same position on what might be called the E150. I think that's right. You know, one feature that I saw, I don't know if you saw this, it has like standard outlets on the side of the bed. So when you get to the job site, you can power your power tools with it, which I think is just fantastic. You know, especially if you're not driving super long distances, which a lot of like woodworkers, a lot of tradesmen and things like that would not be doing that. Electricians would not be doing that. They'll drive 10 or 15 miles from the the home base to the job site, do what they got to do and come back. This thing has hundreds of miles of range that it's not going to need because it's just going to charge overnight. So having access to that power on site is much safer. They're not running long electrical cords. They're not running generators and breathing in all of that fumes. They don't have to run a generator on site. It's going to cut down the noise. It's going to cut down on the hearing loss. It's such a cool thing. The second thing that I saw that I thought was interesting, Ford has actually patented a range extending generator that is this shape of a standard tool bed that goes in the back of the truck. I think hilariously, it kind of speaks to the fact that most truck buyers are probably going to have range anxiety. But (laughs) second, it's just like, of course you're going to put a generator there. Now you're on the job site, you're on the campsite, that kind of thing, and you have power there for other things. I think it's a smart play. They are really focused on ensuring that they're not going to alienate the buyers they've had for decades and, and the brand they've established. They need to prove and show that those people that have used the F-150 or Ford trucks because they are built Ford tough have this new functionality that is a benefit to them. It's a built-in new element of like, wow, my old Ford didn't do that, but my new one does. To know that you can pull up at the job site and not have to you know, fiddle with extension cords and God knows what else. And you can legit just like pull out your saw table and start going to work based on hooking up to the bed of your truck. That's a built-in, very functional utility that people that drive Ford trucks and you go, yep, that's cool. That's not a gimmick. That's actually a benefit to my workday. Again, in GM with Hummer, they're not, they're not even looking at it from that perspective. They are looking at the wrappers buying you know, the Hummer EV because it's a completely different type of vehicle for a different type of buyer. Yeah, it's so funny. And at the end of all of this, there's going to be some King Ranch edition that's got every single ounce of it covered in leather and chrome and everything else. <laughs> And it's going to be every bit the luxury truck the Hummer is, but because Ford is pushing it this way, it's going to have some kind of, as you like to say, authenticity, legitimacy that the Hummer's not going to have. I, I think that's, uh, I think it's a smart play by Ford. In the last 12 months, there's been all of these new products coming to light, and in the next 12 months, there's going to be even more. And whether that whether we're talking about something super high end like the Lucid Air or something extremely functional and practical like the Volkswagen ID4 or trucks that people have been saying, look, I'm not getting into EV unless it does the thing that I want. And I'm an American and I want an SUV or a truck. This is what we've been begging for. And, and it's, it's cool to me that you've got these two very you know, powerful brands that have been around for a long time, automotive positioning their four wheel drive, you know, truck, very macho style vehicles in very, very, very different ways. 
that's the diversification we've needed for electric vehicles. I agree with you 100%. Now, you mentioned the Lucid Air. Uh, you know, we normally start off the show with some kind of motorsports kind of thing because we are car guys. We are gearheads. That's the stuff that we're into. Lucid did something really wild this last week. They had a Lucid Air prototype that ran a 924 at 157 miles an hour. Buddy. <laughs> I mean, I remember back in the day, like Fast and the Furious type moments. I owe you a 10 second car. You know, I mean, this is, we were getting into speed of which was you dreamt about it. It's like, oh yeah, we just completely dropped seven tenths of a second off of our quarter mile time. Oh man. It's and incredible. Just like, no. And could you imagine if you set this thing up with, you know, slick tires, oh. dropped the air pressure, pulled some seats and you know, these things got to have a thousand pounds of luxury goodness in them. Right. I mean, these mm -hmm. are luxurious vehicles. This is wild stuff, man. It just kind of goes to show where these things are going and what they're capable of. But, you know, it also speaks to the fact that simply going in a quarter mile in a straight line is not the end all be all of performance. I kind of got into this. I got into it a little bit on LinkedIn with one of the guys from the Jaguar powertrain uh, group. Now, we don't really talk about Jaguar Land Rover here. I don't know whether it's because we just don't care or because the I-Pace is a little bit of a weird thing. It just doesn't really come up in our conversations. He made the point that zero to 60 and quarter mile, those things are cool, but those are not the only way to measure driving pleasure. Mm -hmm. And Hyundai seems to have a similar idea because they just came out with a Remac built electric version of the Veloster. Yep. And it's super fast and it makes all kinds of horsepower and torque and it has a great zero to 60 time, I'm sure. But Hyundai is saying that they're using this as a platform to figure out how to make electric cars fun to drive. I'm not really sure what that means because uh, <laughs> I, I think they're pretty fun. I mean, go take a Tesla Roadster out. It, it's a pretty exciting ride. But um, it, they are kind of leaning towards there is more to life and these driving dynamics than just zero to 60. And I think that there's, uh, I think there's something there. What do you think, Matt? I think so. Getting to the, the conversation of you just don't want to go on a straight line fast. You want to actually enjoy motorsports for motorsports sake. When I first saw the image of this, you know, Rimac built, you know, Veloster, is it Veloster or Veloster? 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 It's Hyundai. It's Hyundai. Uh, it honestly reminded me of old school back in the day. We're talking probably like maybe 20 years ago, the Opel Astra Extreme that was built in Europe. Yes. That was one of the coolest wide-bodied track vehicles I, I personally ever seen. And this kind of had the same you know, feel to it. I mean, again, a different body in the sense it's a, it's a hatch, but it just, it reminded me of that just for some of the, the design elements to it. But at the end of the day, what they were looking to present, if they're saying they're trying to figure out how to make these things fun to drive and exciting, well, if you've got Rimac behind you, it's going to, I'm sure, be quite fun to drive. I don't know if this is more of a, if they're hiding something behind the, the deeper design elements of this. I don't see this as a need to say we're trying to figure this out. It, I feel like this is more of flexing some muscles. I was just, I was curious to see the combination of Hyundai Rimac. I just didn't see that coming. Um, I didn't see that coming either. I will say that it, it speaks to Hyundai because if I mean, Ford has made the GT, they've made the Mustang, they're known for the Cobra. If you want to get really weird with it, you can even say the Probe is a sporty car. Ooh, uh, the Probe. I, ooh, Probe. That's going back. Oh, you know, alien abductions, things like that. Um, <laughs> I'll edit that out. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not going to. Uh, that was mean, a perfect Ford stopped selling the Probe. Let's be honest. There were too many alien abduction jokes. Dodge had the Ram. That's the winner. 
That one was that was uh, that was a good one, uh, but yeah. it all started with probe. It's like they really started. The, it all the, started the, with the probe, and yeah. and you could tell that the the, the high end European brands weren't having it. They were like, "We're just going to name our cars after letters and numbers." Letters and numbers, indeed. Um, so the Hyundai RM twenty E, which has nothing to do with the Ford Probe or the uh, Detroit habit of naming things lewdly. You know, for me, this is interesting because Hyundai is not a brand that we associate performance with. If they're going to come out with a performance car or a fast car, they don't really have a big history to draw upon where Ford can. Ford can put the name Mustang on it. They can put GT on it. They can put, you know, Cobra on it. There's a lot of places Ford can go. GM as well. They can do Corvette. They can do Camaro. They can do kind of a lot. I think Hyundai needs something like this, even if they want to say that it's a development thing. I think what they really are trying to do here is establish some credibility, some motorsport street cred yeah. that quite frankly, as cool as the rally cross and, and, you know, world rally championship stuff that they are doing is, I mean, if, if winning rally races sold cars, Lancia would be the best selling car on earth, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. 11 world championships, the Stratos, the S4, the Delta, you know, but Colin McRae would be, a, would be a household name. Exactly. But none of that happened, so they got to do something else. And I think eventually people will realize that, you know, you win on Sunday, sell on Monday really only happens at the drag strip. And uh, you're, you know, you're bringing up some valid points that a lot of these brands that that need to figure out how they play in this space, they've got to have something to hang their hat on that proves and shows they're not just a brand. Frankly, I'm all for it because it's only going to further prove out how electrification just beats the snot out of anything that's got a combustion engine in it. It does, and you know we're talking about all these motorsports things. So I, I do want to bring up Lewis Hamilton. I know I'm a formula one guy. I'm kind of alone in that in the United States and that's okay. I've come what? to terms with that. Ah, it's, I'm the only one. It's okay. So six time world champion, Lewis Hamilton, he's going to tie all of Schumacher's records this year, probably. Um, Which in and of itself is honestly incredible. Like, in and of itself is honestly incredible. And he's doing it in far fewer races too. Which, yeah is not something that gets brought up a lot. But I will say uh, he bought a Extreme E racing team. He's going to run it from the ground up. And he's gotten very big into social justice and things like that. He's going to have a black driver, a female driver, all that. We can have a, that's a different conversation from electrification. But what is super interesting is he's taken this thing to such an extreme. Ah, Extreme E. Extreme! (laughs) He's taken it to such an extreme that he's actually been interviewed and said he's not driving any of his internal combustion AMG supercars on the street anymore. Yeah, that was an interesting take. Yeah, that was a hot take, and he hasn't signed for them for next year. We don't know what he's going to do. But I think you know, we're talking about bringing credibility to electrification and to the performance side of it. Lewis getting involved in Extreme E, I think, gives that racing series a tremendous amount of credibility and the fact that he's being so public about walking away from internal combustion yeah there have to be people who see that and say this is the guy who is if not the greatest race car driver of all time certainly one of them he's on the short list of like guys who could be the greatest of all time of of two (laughs) of two we're, we're talking formula one yeah if we're talking formula one sure and for him to just say look my electric car is doing it for me i don't need this uh you know big twin turbo v8 to get my thrills my turbo hybrid formula one car is giving me that and these electric cars are giving me that same kind of joy of driving i think that speaks volumes to 
what EV enthusiasts have been shouting from the rooftops now for for years. Oh, well, exactly that. I mean, we've we as EV enthusiasts have needed someone like a Lewis Hamilton. We've no offense to no offense to those who have been out there, but we needed someone who wasn't Begley Junior. Right. I mean, love him to death for for all he stood for for all those years. But again, he wasn't out, you know, as a motorsports hero. But when you start to have performance and motorsports oriented superstars saying, "Hey, this is the direction I'm going," not just because I think it's great, but also that, again, he's described like there's other social justice you know, elements to it for what he's looking to do. But you can tell he's also looking at it from other perspectives beyond just dollar signs and and go go vroom vroom fast. He's got other things about it that are that are pushing him in this direction, and he's sticking his neck out there in a big way. And to your point, to kind of be like, I don't even care about driving my AMG supercars anymore. That spits in the face of motorsports as most people have traditionally known it, and it elevates what electric vehicles can and should be in the minds of people who are like, should I take these things seriously? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what this does. Whether you take them seriously or not, in the next 15 years, you're going to have to because you're not going to be able to buy any of the internal combustion AMGs, at least not in the state of California, right? Oh, Gavin Newsom. He, uh, oh, I, yeah. Gavin. It was controversial as an announcement and as an executive order. You know, what weight does it carry? Obviously, he's either got to A, maintain being governor or something else. But I think what he's proven with this is he took the moment of what he's facing as, as, a, as an elected leader and saying, what's going on in the state that I have to manage? And, and he's looking around saying, we're not being near like proactive enough. This is, we're, we're floating along too much. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, you know, you, you've dealt with this certainly from a personal point of view, as have I, is climate change is being the main driver of policy change and policy shift in the way that he is looking at it. And I really like this idea that California is making this call because there are major cities, major countries that we're familiar with, Beijing, London, Barcelona, that are making a similar call. They're, they've already cut diesels from most of the city centers, haven't they? I think I know that well, that type of decision was, I think Paris made a similar decision to that. Yes. London's been, yeah. So yeah, they, they understand the science of it enough to say we're going to make this decision. The hard part is, again, countries like France, countries like uh, the UK, they're about as big as California <laughs> in yes. a lot of ways, you know, and, and what, even from a you know, GDP perspective for how big California is on the, on the global stage, this is not small. This, this is, yes, California's a state, but as California goes in many ways, especially with transportation, so goes the United States. And so this was a strong leadership move. I, I did have a few conversations with some people that are in the OEM space who said, you know what, this, this was a, of an, ex, an executive order fine, but there was no conversation had to really understand the pathway to get to where you're going. Uh, the example that was given to me was when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California, he had an executive order for the hydrogen highway. And Schwarzenegger has been a big part of the environmental push for a long time. Where'd that go? It didn't. And so in the same way, there was, you know, people I spoke to, they were saying, this smacks of the same problem. It's, it's a politician saying, we need to do this. I'm just putting down my, you know, stamping my foot down. But you got to have the stakeholders on board to understand what the road, you know, the map is to get to that end game. 15 years, that's not a long time. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, I, 100%. I, I just feel like you need a leader. You do need to get the stakeholders involved. You do need to get the people involved. You do need to get that momentum. But before you can 
get the momentum behind a movement, there has to be a movement. Oh, so totally. he drew the line in the sand, and everybody's going to decide what side of that line they're going to stand on. And if there's enough people on his side of the line, the stakeholders, as you know, because the automakers are not the only stakeholders here, as citizens of the planet yep. who have to deal with the consequences and repercussions of you know petroleum and emissions and carbon and all of that, we are stakeholders too. And if there's enough yep. stakeholders on the side of the line that says, we're not going to take this anymore and we demand evs and we demand clean energy and we demand you know renewables and all that that's the way it's going to go and you know who would have seen a year ago who would have foreseen that we would be sitting here talking today about you know natural gas refineries people walking off the job and oil refineries people walking off the job because there's not enough demand oh yeah tens of if not dozens of you know uh oil barges off the coast just waiting to be pulled in because the price of oil is so low right now. The demand is so low, even months after the initial lockdown from COVID that it's just really changed the landscape of the future. I don't think you could have had this conversation a year ago. If he had come out a year ago and said, we're going to draw the line at 2035, everyone would have called him a lunatic. He, he took it. He took the moment and did what he knew People have been talking about for a long time, which we have to make bold decisions in this space. And even the conversation I had with some of the contacts that I have that were saying things like, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't ask enough questions. He didn't, he didn't get the right people in the room. To your point, and, this is, and I agree with you 100%, is it, it didn't matter. He had to, somebody had to lead. And the response I finally gave to uh, one person I was talking to is I said, look, I, I recognize you think that there needs to be a very clear path for this for industry. And I understand what you're saying. But we have to have some kind of a North Star. You're, you keep claiming this is going to be so difficult, but in the early 60s, John F. Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon this decade. And in seven years' time, less than seven years' time, we did. And that was a half a century ago. Yes. Now, granted, that was, that was a government-focused push, but it's not to say that we couldn't do the same thing in industry today. It's just not convenient because it means changing business models and profit models and, and really upending some things that have been really comfortable for a while. Well, the comfort of the business and profit can't outweigh the practical decision-making of we need to do this for the future, as you described, stakeholders being human beings. And I think that to his credit, what Newsom did is he said, this is the opportunity to lead on this. I mean, even in, where I am in Oregon, we had huge fires, just like California did this last month. You can see the scarring of the fires from space. And California, again, ramped up with even more fires this week. So this, this is an all hands on deck moment and we needed somebody to stand up and say, I'll do the unpopular thing of making a decision that is going to be difficult for some people to hear, but it has to be done. And to his credit, he did that. I agree hundred percent. That's what a leader is. And, uh, you know, good for him. Good for him. The only other thing we had left on our list was, uh, you know, we're talking about these major car makers and old names coming on board with electrification. So the oldest name in motorcycling, Indian Motorcycles, has finally released their first electric bike. Yeah, this is cool. I, so, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere Mike from American Pickers is like, oh, well, this is not covered in patina, but this is at least cool. <laughs> ah, he can buy the sticker kit. So this is yeah. <laughs> a flat track style bike. It's made for like, I would say young kids. I'd say maybe ages like 8 to 12 kind of thing. But it's a small dirt bike. It's to get them riding. It takes up that space of like the Kawasaki, you know, the Pee Wee 90 or the Kawasaki 110. It's got some juice to it. 
It's got some real power, and it's, you know, it's small, and it's cute, and it looks like an Indian. I was going to say, it looks like an Indian. But the first photo, though, I saw of it had the, you know, had, like, the number one uh, panel on the side of it. But I'm like, is that, is that, like, a faux exhaust? Like, what, what is that on the side? It's a faux exhaust. But <laughs> is it really? Oh, to, it, to their credit, to their credit, they wanted to make it look like the yeah. flat track bikes. Which, they that, thought, again, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's, um... I mean, that electric Cobra we talked about a couple of shows back had a fake exhaust on it. Yeah, and, that's, and I, I see that they, they can't help themselves almost, you know. But this gets to, you know, what is their brand? This is kind of the beginning of our conversation about talking about even Ford and their F-150 and how the E-150 will fit into the, what they've been and done. Similarly, these other companies like Indian, they have to figure out, okay, so how far do we jump? You know, yeah. comparing it to even what Harley did with the Livewire, how far do we jump? So. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting thing because it's made for kids, but the target, the buyer is grandpa. Yeah. Grandma and grandpa are going to buy this thing for the kid. It came out just in time for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa or whatever. And this is going to be the holiday gift that the dad or the granddad who rides Indians and loves Indians, he's going to buy it for their kid. They're going to hook the kid young. And by the time that kid's old enough to be in college and buy an electric Indian, that's a real electric Indian, right? We'll we'll use the term, the word real there loosely. By the time he's old enough to buy a real motorcycle to go on the street and pick up chicks and cruise and do all that, the electric Indian that's going to be on the street is going to be uh, right up his alley. And, you know, let's face it, it'll probably have some kind of fake exhaust on it. Well, and that's, and again, there's, there's, there's the, the, what, Model 3 update, or it's like the, the speaker under the car that it has an exhaust tip, and you can add various tuning for different sounds of how your exhaust is on your Model 3. So, so let's close out the show with this. Let's close out the show with what do you think the over-under is on the Ford F-150 electric making fake vroom-vroom noises? Oh, oh, man. Easily. Which side do you want to take? We'll, we'll we'll bet dinner on it. I'll buy you dinner if you're right, and you get to choose which side. Oh man, I was literally about to say I'm fifty fifty <laughs> <laughs> because it's almost. You'd like to think that ah, they're not going to do that, but then oh, they're going to do it. Right, it's going to be an option. It's it. They're going to have some feature on it where it's not standard, but if you want to turn it on, it's going to be right there. It's going to be an option. It's going to be an it's option. An option. It's not going to be standard, but if it's but going to be available, available and also probably not terribly expensive. They're going to couch it in with like some bass boost audio upgrade package and like yeah. to this. You can really feel the rumble of the uh, you know. They're going to pull a Porsche, right? And, yes. And, and they're going to say, "Oh, you can get the EcoBoost trim of the E150, and it comes with this like little rumble noise of." Yes, yes, yes. Or they're going to say that that's the safety noise. Like, oh, you know, we had to make it safe so people on the job site could hear it coming. (laughs) Honestly, but I would, that's a great, I mean, if, hey, Ford, if any of you are listening, and we know you are, we think you are. um, There's at least two guys from Ford that listen. That's awesome. I know. have them on, you know. Yeah, Yeah, sounds like an F100. Amazing. So. (laughs) I can see him doing it. I can see him doing it. Again, so over under. So you're going to take I, that they're going to do it. It's going to be available. As an, well, I'm all, I'm just agreeing with you. You said as an option. I'm like, yeah, I think that's right. All right, I'll take um, I'll take that they're going to do it. I'll, I'll play the cynical route here that they're going to do it. Okay, they're going to do. I, they are going to do everything they can 
to make this as much like owning a regular F-150 as possible. Oh, totally. Yeah. In everything, that sense, yeah. yeah. Everything they can do to make it just like a regular F-150 and internal combustion F-150, they're going to do it. Down so to say, some kind of weird exhaust pipe from the back. So you're saying that's not going to be an option. They're just going to do it? They're going to do it. It's going to be It's going to be an option. It's not going to be in the WT work truck trim, but it's going to be like in the XLT package. Okay. I'm going to say, nah, they'll probably wait till people respond saying they got to have that. I mean, they've done the research. I don't know. They've done the research. They're, they're they've probably done nothing. In, yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's it. to that point, like they towed a, a train car with their prototype and it didn't go vroom vroom and people were impressed. That's so, true. That was, uh, that was an impressive thing when they pulled that train. I'm not going to lie. I was excited yeah. about that. Yeah. So, somewhere Toyota with their Tundra was like, Hey, uh, is a space shuttle as heavy as that thing? <laughs> um, no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, it's might be. not. No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> the next time you start to think it is, ask yourself why NASA hasn't launched a train into space. Uh, I, w- I would probably go with the aerodynamics, but you're probably because of <laughs> <laughs> it weighs an insane amount of money. Actually, that would be awesome though if there was some like j- like Jet Propulsion Labs guy who was like, you know, what we should do. We launch, launch a, train. a train car into space. All right. I'm going to, uh, we're going to have that in the show notes. There's got to be a YouTube clip of that somewhere. All right, Matt. I think we got a show, brother. I do too. Uh, this was good. Tons of stuff going on. This last week was awesome. And by the way, this week, whenever you do hear this, it's National Drive Electric Week. So no wonder it's, there was a bunch of news. No wonder there was a bunch of news. Yeah. 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 yeah sh- shout right, out man. to uh, yeah, all the people that have made that happen for years uh, Plug in America, Sierra Club, all those. All those, uh, the uh, Electric Auto Association, uh, it's 10 years they've been doing it. And so a uh, different type of year to do it. But this, yeah, there was a lot of news this, this week probably for two But a great year to do it. A great year to do it because this is the year where I think we finally all as a country moved on and said, you know what, having to go to the gas station is not a real thing that we want to do. It, we, who knew that this year was going to be this transformative? It's been odd because we've had changes in life because of COVID but it's introduced to people a lot of other things that they may not have been thinking and talking about. So as much as there was hype coming into 2020 about electrification, the things that have happened in 2020 haven't changed the trajectory. If anything, it's even more so a topic. And yeah, the, the, yeah. 2021 is going to be even better for EVs, but we'll see what the next three months have to hold for this year. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's sign off with the Electrify Expo is coming to California in 2021 forecasted to be the largest e-mobility festival in the USA. Learn how you can attend or get involved by visiting electrifyexpo.com. Be sure to find out more information about Electrify Expo on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next week with an all-new podcast discussing the latest in the world of e-mobility. Thanks for listening to the Electrify Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.